0: Welcome to Heavy Networking, the original recipe packet pushers podcast running weekly for over 10 years. Who knew there was so much to say about networking? Well, adding to our decade-long conversation is sponsored Dell Technologies with a discussion of smart fabric services. Well, what is that? It is an automated spine-leaf network for pods aimed at making your life as an engineer easier, maybe even easy. Could that be easy? Well, to help us figure that out is Salim Mohammed, Director of Product Management and Marketing at Dell Technologies. And in case you think Salim is going to read bullets off a slide and bore you to death because the word marketing is in his title nope we had a long planning call for the show with salim and he's a fellow nerd with answers uh, answers about smart fabric services at least we didn't get into you know existential questions that plague humanity or anything like that so salim uh, welcome to heavy networking it is a great pleasure to have you here and uh, let's jump right into it man uh tell us what dell technologies smart fabric service is all about that elevator pitch
1: So um, Ethan, in a single sentence, Smart Fabric Services is an automation approach that simplifies IT transformation projects and really puts them on a faster track to productivity. That's me speaking marketing language. Let me put on the geek hat for the rest of the show.
2: Okay. <laughs> I was going to go. I was just about to say, oh, boy, this is going to be tough. <laughs>
1: no, let me get the geek going. All right. Sure. Well, um, architecturally, we have designed uh, smart fabric services to bring together server storage and networking teams, which, uh, frankly, are still operating as silos in many, many, many organizations. Um, on their own, these teams we have seen uh, may be operating at a different level of automation. Server team or compute team may be ahead, networking team may be ahead. Uh, generally, they're not speaking at the same level of automation. But with Smart Fabric Services, our goal is to bridge that automation gap between these teams. And uh, frankly, we really have three main goals. Uh, number one, provide simplified onboarding of devices, uh, whether it is server, storage, or networking appliances. Basically, simplify the operation from that perspective. Second, provide dynamic fabric operations uh, in an attempt to protect the environment from human error. And then third, and a very important part, is provide the same experience even for smaller micro-sized environments. Uh, Very routinely, we see that automation projects, especially on the network automation uh, side, the solutions are really fit for larger environments, and we forget about the departmental environments, um, edge locations, and, and mm. really, you know, five, six, seven, eight device environments. Uh, with this approach, you have the same experience, whether you're going for the large, mid, or the smaller environment.
2: So let's, let's take the last point first as we try and drill into this a little bit. When you say small, are you t- we're talking probably about an ECMP fabric. Are you saying two spines and four leaves or smaller than that even?
1: Um, I'm saying even smaller than that. You can have just a couple of 12-port switches side-by-side side and get a, a small environment just fit for uh, okay. you know, five or six people So times. that's really don't small. Even, I yeah, can start really
2: small. really small. Just two switches and the uh, smart fabric services will start to do the configuration for you. And it's an eVPN product. That is, it uses the eVPN overlay technology, the VXLAN using BGP to signal to either side. And that means you get... L2, L3 uh, routing. So you get a combination of different types of services there. And I can start from two switches and then grow it up to an ECMP spine with two spine switches and some number of leaves, 16, I think.
1: Yes, absolutely. So total 20 switches in a fabric, uh, you can absolutely start with a couple of switches. Um, and then as your environment grows for, uh, to provide scale-out uh, functionality, you add a couple of uh, spine switches and then keep on adding additional racks. Um, mm-hmm. Up to about eight racks in an environment, and a couple of additional switches for the border functionality.
0: Now, you said several features there um, that the Smart Fabric does. We're in heavy networking. We're talking about it as a networking product. Uh, Greg just mentioned BGP, EVPN capabilities. We're talking about leaf spine. But then you also said, Salim, that you're bringing together storage and other things that you might attach to this fabric are part of this. So does that mean if I've got a, a storage array that's a part of this mix? that Smart Fabric Services is doing some magic for me to make the storage traffic more wonderful?
1: Uh, yes, actually it is. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, Smart Fabric Services is uh, nothing new. We've been shipping it with our isolon product for um, for a while, about uh, three years. And if you remember in storage environments, unlike the network uh, land side, you need to have two separate fabrics, SAN-A, san B, san design. There is no lag functionality in those fabrics and redundancy is basically provided by the software. Um, Hmm. So, if you are deploying a storage personality of smart fabric services, we will allow that uh, SAN A, SAN B functionality uh, to be created uh, so that, you know, storage admins can take advantage of that. But more recently, we see another type of storage, um, which is leveraging or uh, using, you know, software-defined storage functionality. vSAN is an example of that. This is where your storage traffic is is running on the same LAN as well. It's a basically shared LAN right. and SAN services. Uh, this is so where I can
2: I can build a fabric which supports multiple services. So I've got this software tool, Smart Fabric Services, mm-hmm. configures the switches and it can let me configure multiple types of services. Now this isn't just basic Ethernet and IP. You are actually saying here I can do sophisticated cost strategies for the. Enterprise class storage arrays like Isolog.
1: Yes, absolutely.
2: Because one of the things that immediately strikes me is, if you've just got two switches, you might think that this is a bit of a small time, small beer software. But what you're also saying is, yeah, we we sell it for those small applications, and then you can grow up to something quite substantial, like in a modern environment, sixteen leaf switches, or you know, mm-hmm. as you say, eight racks which is, you know, sort of 12 to 14 switches and, and then some border nodes where you exit is actually quite a big deployment in the modern data center area with virtualization and everything. But what you're also saying is you're ready to configure advanced services out of that.
1: Yes, absolutely. And um, and one of the, you know, advanced use cases that we have is with in, in HCI environments with the VxRail, for example, which does create some, you know, um, storage vMotion, Uh, management kind of uh, networks and expects that those to be stretched across multiple racks, right? We do Mm. all of that functionality automatically for our HCI customers.
0: So am I buying smart fabric services as a standalone thing, or is it usually a bundle? Like I'm buying, I'm doing a Dell server buy, I'm, I'm buying Dell storage, and I'm adding on smart fabric services to that mix.
1: Yeah. So it's not a bundled functionality that like, We don't sell it as a bundle. uh, It's an open capability. Customers have to choose to deploy it. Uh, We're not forcing um, anybody uh, to do that. Uh, As far as purchasing anything, it's basically part of our uh, OS X operating system. Uh, there is no additional outside controller or appliance that is required as soon as you purchase the switches with OS10 you can simply enable smart fabric services functionality that's that's all that is required
0: ah okay so th- this is uh, you just answered another big question there it's like is it multi vendor no what it is is if i'm in the Dell world here i've got Dell switches i'm running OS10 one of the things I can take advantage of is Smart Fabric Services and really smooth out my my deployment here at this pod.
1: Yes, that is that is correct. So the capability or the automation capability is built into OS10 Network Operating System. But I want to highlight one more thing as well. By saying that, I'm not saying that it it is doing some proprietary technologies to build the fabric. Uh, underlying capabilities are absolutely industry standard. We're not using any new. Uh, routing protocols or layer two protocols automation, the framework which is automating uh, the fabric creation and operation and lifecycle management, that is inherently OS 10 dependent. But Mm. the way things are enabled, it's all part of the industry standard protocols.
2: Right. And you're also configuring this using standard protocols as well. Your controller talks to the switches southbound using OpenConfig and uh, GNMI.
1: Uh, no, in Smart Fabric Services, actually, it is um, RESTful APIs.
2: RESTful APIs. Sorry. Yeah, I'm getting confused with the other. Yeah. Well, let's. Let, I want to touch on the other products before we get too far forward, because if somebody goes to the website and searches up Smart Fabric, they'll see two other products that do network configuration. Maybe we should just briefly touch on why Smart Fabric Services is different from those.
1: Yes. So from network automation perspective, we are providing three different types of solutions to our customers. Uh, The one that we're talking here is uh, Smart Fabric Services. This is Mm -hmm. targeted for solution administrators. Uh, Some call them cloud administrators, some call them infrastructure administrators. Um, The goal with this kind of approach is to simplify networking for the modern day data centers, right? Customers Mm -hmm. or administrators who are deploying these compute and storage uh, uh, environments. Uh, should do it with a peace of mind that you know whenever they're deploying it, connectivity auto is automatically becoming available and they don't have to become CCIE experts. The other yep. two products that we have, one is called Fabric Design Center. And the way that product came into being is as we started having discussions with customers who were uh, starting to uh, adopt DevOps uh, approaches, uh, one of the problems that they were seeing is the existing networking teams when uh, they were being asked to become more net devops um, they had to really become developers and on the flip side when devops teams who are developers were asked to you know become net devops they really had to become network operators so there is an initial delta or gap between them so public yeah, design yeah. center is a cloud based application where mm-hmm. customers can do and design uh, go and design their network and configure okay. the net network and then download ansible collections or playbooks and then uh, get started on their journey to DevOps.
2: So that's an acceleration tool.
1: You're actually yes. generating
2: the Ansible playbooks, and then you can just go and apply that. You would then apply your own competency to put them into your pipeline.
1: However. Absolutely, absolutely. So it it and it ensures that um, the the topology and the designs and the configuration is basically aligned. It is validated mm-hmm. by Dell, you know, solution engineering teams. And at that mm-hmm. time, you know, you, you can basically customize and scale. Uh, the topology that, want, that you want and get the Ansible playbooks out of that.
0: How distant from BGP eVPN details am I? Because uh, you, you said, well, you know, you don't have to be a CCIE level expert to configure all this stuff. Does that mean I kind of don't need to know much about BGP eVPN, that I get this kind of abstracted, almost a policy kind of a, a, a layer that allows me to configure it? Or, or do I need to know nuts and bolts?
1: You don't necessarily need to know nuts and bolts. However, you need to know enough, Right. Uh, because you will need to import network policies so you need to be able to understand it but you don't need to n- know how to design the network beyond that
2: so that's a really unusual product offering but that's one way of doing it it's cloud based you go up there uh, it's got the, it's got connected to your existing network gets the configurations and then generates ansible templates so that you can do the delta what's the second product that you've got in the
1: space smart fabric director it's, uh, it's a traditional network automation tool, um, which requires, uh, it's a basically an orchestrator that, that is deployed as an appliance. And uh, the goal with that product is to bring together the P plus V automation. By V, we mean uh, NSXT overlays, and by P, we mean uh, physical underlays. Uh, what we see in a lot of customer deployments that are going towards overlays, such as NSXT, there is a big delta between what is happening in the overlay world and the underlay world. And if something goes wrong, it becomes a little bit of a challenge to uh, identify where the problems are happening and then, and then provide remediation as a result of that. With Smart Fabric Director, we're bringing uh, both the underlay and overlay closer together so that mm-hmm. uh, at least initially, you, know, you can design the network in compliance with the overlay requirements. And then if something goes wrong, there is an easier path to identifying the problem and then mm-hmm. our eventual goal is to provide auto remediation as well, so the product is able to. So this keep is track the more,
2: of- this is the more traditional software-defined networking slash intent-based networking approach, where there's a full uh, sort of support mechanism behind you to configure, monitor, and to remediate. If something goes wrong in the network, it will remediate and may adapt. And that's what the, that's yeah. the idea behind intent-based networking to some extent.
1: Yes, absolutely, you're correct
2: and but when we get to so you, then i can still run nsx on top of that but i could also run other types of overlay controllers i might want to run you know a, a bare evpn for you know other types of systems or maybe i've got some legacy stuff or whatever i've got a much more sophisticated sort of service capability whereas smart fabric services is much simpler i've got a simpler sdn controller configuring core evpn functionality that I can then choose to integrate with NSX still? I can still talk to NSX, I think.
1: Yes, you can still talk to NSX, um, but you're absolutely correct. With with Smart Fabric Services, our our intention is not to provide nth level of customization. With Smart Fabric Mm -hmm. Director, you will get that. With Smart Fabric Services, our goal is to... Uh, get the solution going, simplify the solution, and protect it from human errors.
0: A standardized, predictable solution, in other words. You're, you're you're scoping what the thing will do because then you have a very predictable result that you can lay your services on top of and know that they're going to be reliable and function in a particular way.
1: Yes, I think you have said it absolutely correctly. I couldn't have said it better.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so this sort of fabric building that we're looking at here with Smart Fabric Services is that going to be suitable for when Dell partners with various HCI companies? So when that sells vXrail solutions, which is the HCI from VMware, or you're talking, say, to Nutanix and for their um, hyperconverged platform, Smart Fabric Services suitable for that?
1: Smart Fabric Services absolutely was designed for um, hyperconverged infrastructure. In fact, with uh, with vXrail, we take it a step further. Which is when uh, Smart Fabric Services is enabled in the fabric, you can simply connect VXRail appliances to the fabric, and will automatically detect it. And based on the VXRail manager's configuration profiles, will automatically extend the network connectivity to that uh, to that appliance. So it's really dynamic from that hmm. perspective.
2: Well, I think the interesting part about HCI solutions, hyperconverged, you know, they've got the storage networking, but they've also got their own overlay networking solution going on. So they don't really rely on the physical network for anything more than connectivity. They need some isolation, they need some straightforward separation. The storage traffic needs to be handled in its own way, but they don't um actually want to have a whole bunch of other services from the network in the more traditional model, you know, lots of flexibility for VLANs and and MLAG and blah 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 blah.
1: Yeah, so HCI expects very little from networking. However, whatever it expects, it is very firm in its expectations, uh, which, is why, which is why you've seen that industry-wide uh, HCI has, uh, has a problem that you know about 70, depending upon which statistics are you, you're looking at, between 70 to 90% of initial deployment issues with HCI tend to be network-related. So while networking expectations are very little, uh, it mm-hmm. still causes a lot of initial uh, customer, you know, issues. Um, so with, with this automation approach, we're essentially simplifying all of that. Right? You just simply connect it, and don't worry about physical networking. We'll provide the connectivity to you.
2: Okay. So I think, uh, Celine, what we've done there is we sort of outlined that this is not a traditional all-in SDN solution. This is this is a product that's got a specific um, application and that Dell actually has a full spectrum of products that will probably meet your needs if you're looking for something outside of that. But what I want to do now is drill into the technology and the product that sits underneath the smart fabric services. So how does it do this? What are the protocols that you're using in the physical network to create the verfs and the VPNs and the separation, and how are you addressing things like server connectivity and L2 and L3 and all that sort of stuff? So let's start off with that.
1: Yeah, so from server or node connectivity perspective, it's a really simple connectivity. Uh, we do extend and support LSCP uh, functionality. Mm-hmm. And for those devices that have or, or support uh, Linklear discovery protocols and TLVs, we can auto detect and you know extend the networking configurations to those devices as well. Uh, we need to know beforehand what the TLVs are so that we can program it. However, this functionality is already available for a number of uh, devices. Then you go to the first layer of switches. This is where uh, we create the the VLT or uh, lag functionality, provide active-active configuration between those those two switches. Mm -hmm. And when you introduce inter-rack or multi-rack environments, you need to introduce uh, a couple of spine switches. This is where we use the regular BGP um, EVPN functionality to create the fabric. And VXLAN tunnels, if uh, customers are looking at extending uh, or stretching their uh, L2 across uh, multiple racks. So as you know, it's it's fairly standard, um, you know, mm-hmm. protocols uh, for spine so and the- leaf, and then node to leaf connectivity as well. So
2: if I've got a virtual SAN type technology or a virtual storage technology that needs L2 connectivity, I can use Smart Fabric services to create an L2 EVPN connection across the fabric, however it is, whether it's two switches or 20 switches and I'm in action. But I can also create a Layer 3 eVPN for when something like NSXT, if that's what's required.
1: Yes, absolutely. So it, it does have the smarts to to ensure that, you know, the connectivity that is required from, from these hosts, it is extending mm-hmm. that. Or vSAN, vMotion, as you said, um, you know, we will provide Layer 2 extensions or uh, across multiple racks. Uh, for Layer 3 uh, workloads, we provide uh, native Layer 3 capability as well. All
2: right. Now that's important because basically you're saying it's a full spectrum replacement for the traditional old three-tiered network architecture running expanding tree. You're still, you're just using modern protocols, the common, you know, standard practices. What is, what is probably best practice today to be able to say, I can now create the L2 VPNs that you, EVPNs that you want, create the L3. At the edge of the network, I can create uh, LACP bundles so I can connect your service together with dual next to get the redundancy that you're looking for. And I can still also do all of the cost functionality or the service functionality. So if I've got high performance storage or addressing that sort of thing, that's what we're all doing here. But always standard protocols.
1: Yes, always, absolutely always standard protocols. In fact, you know, when we are trying to create layer two, we have done multiple scalability testings as well with BGP VPN and and, uh, the newer technologies that are available, the scalability is significantly higher than, you know, using the traditional spanning uh, tree-based approaches. Mm. Um, So not only (laughs) it is a modern network, but, you know, of course, it provides additional, uh, you know, scale as well.
0: Mm. So we're making a big deal about standard protocols here. We've talked about scale. Um, We also mentioned that architecturally, we could have two switches in this fabric that would be kind of the edge of that fabric and connect us to the rest of the network. Um, Does that mean whatever VXLAN eVPN scheme I've come up with for for a pod, let's say, extends to other parts of the data center or are those edge switches there like a a translation service that hand off to some other VXLAN schemes I might have? I might have, how would that work?
1: Yeah, so we um, introduced a concept of a pod Within the pod, everything um, is essentially contained. If you are looking to extend connectivity to the outside networks, we provide layer two as well as layer three uplinks, which you can uh, provide from the spine switches or any of the lead switches, or you can have the uh, border gateway switches to to centralize that external connectivity as well. So essentially, standard layer two um, uplinks, uh, standard layer three. And in layer three, we provide options to the customers to either use BGP or uh, static routing.
0: Okay, so it's it's correct to think about this as, uh, again, that AVXLAN, a, uh, those VTEPs are going to begin and end within that fabric. And if I'm going outside of the fabric, uh, from a, like an IP design perspective, we're probably going to a completely different IP net block. I'm not extending VTEPs from within the fabric to some other pod elsewhere because, as you say, it's all self-contained. And again, my uplinks are just standard routed or even layer two uplinks if I want uh, to go in and out. Um, but I need to think of this. Um, I was going to say an island, but that's wrong because it's not an island because I can get to other things. <laughs> but but my again, all of my VXLAN stuff is, is is self-contained. Is the right way to think about it?
1: Yes, it is self-contained pod. Uh, and and if you um, Ethan go back to the original discussion because it is intended for infrastructure administrators who are not network savvy. A lot of the you know the network profiles to build the fabric to create the the VXLAN BGP VPN environment, we have reserved a pool of resources from where we choose. We don't want to um, give administrators who are not networking savvy an extra burden of choosing which which network policies to use who will choose the defaults. They can go back and customize it. If somebody wants to customize it, they can definitely do that. However, the burden is not on them if you if they simply want connectivity as a as a pod.
0: Okay. So if I now let's say I am a network administrator and I'm responsible for this pod connecting to the rest of the data center. Um I would do something like, okay, here's your net block, here's your whatever, slash 48 if we're an IPv6 or who knows what it would be, uh, slash uh, 24 or uh, 22 for the pod if it's IPv4. You can have that. I'm going to static route to you or um, would I be interfacing at the on those gateway switches with like a BGP maybe?
1: Yes, you can do BGP or static route. Both of those are options that are available. Okay. Mm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It would make sense to do static route and a small network and then move to BGP over time. Is that migration seamlessly as I grow or is it a,
1: an overhaul? It is a seamless environment, um, seamless, mm. sorry, uh, uh, migration. Uh, it's all based on the user interface, which is uh, integrated into vCenter mm. right now. Uh, you can simply mm. go there and start creating the uplinks, uh, start with BGP, you can do that. You can mm-hmm. do static routing, you can you know, transition between those two as well. It's it's a fairly simple UI-driven approach uh, which is currently centralized in vCenter.
2: We should really touch on that more because the vCenter integration, I think, is a key feature because there is obviously a strong relationship between Dell and VMware. And this integration means that you know, straight from inside of vCenter, you can actually be configuring an eVPN network. You don't... How How far does that go? Is it like everything or is there gaps in here?
1: So our goal is for this um, capability to be primarily driven from vCenter because let's face it, you know, majority of data centers have vCenter um, in their environment. They're VMware-based customers. So once you have enabled the Fabric, you just go to vCenter and start assigning the uplinks and um, onboarding the devices there. If it is ESXi-based servers, think of Mm VxRail environment also for that example, right? You can... Simply, you know, enjoy the dynamic operations, meaning once a VM is created, you don't have to do any extra networking steps. We'll automatically oh, okay. observe the, the, the changes that are taking place on the VM side and uh, right. push it towards the network fabric so the so the network is available as soon as the VM is fired off.
2: So that's not very good branding because that means people might not even know it's there. I mean...
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I was just thinking it's like
0: wait a minute i don't even have to leave vcenter once this thing's all plumbed up is that that's kind of what you're telling me salim
1: yes absolutely that is that is uh the key advantage of it right everything is centralized in vcenter you don't have to go to a networking quote-unquote user interface
0: so does that mean if i stand up um you know a new uh V switch, I add some VLANs to it, and so on within vCenter or or vSphere. That all of that's going to get created for me within Smart Fabric Services.
1: Yes, yes. Hmm. So that's where the dynamic network operations uh, come from, right? Dynamic right. In, in two ways. One is uh, when you're building the fabric, you can you can plug in uh, plug and play uh, capability. You can add switches. Uh, you can add spine switches. If you want to add additional bandwidth between spine and leaf, you can simply connect the cables automatically the underlay fabric will form itself and scale itself as well. Uh, But the second dynamic uh, operation comes from its uh, uh, v-centered integrations where virtual networking will automatically be extended to the, you know, the virtual networks, essentially.
0: Okay, you just, you've got to get... Greg, you got to let me get excited for just a second here, because almost every conversation <laughs> you're gonna ask a question. I'm gonna ask. Go on. Go on, go on. <laughs> well, almost every conversation I have with uh, with with my VMware peers is about freaking VLANs. I can't tell you how many times I've had a conversation. Oh well, we did this and we did that, and then you go and and you dig into it, and someone did, tagged something or didn't tag something, or they used the wrong VLAN number, or they created something but it isn't actually created on the VLAN. Uh, infrastructure on the back end, on the network switches, and and it's all of this running around for what is ultimately a very simple problem. So to automate that way just makes so many needless conversations disappear. It, it's such a straightforward thing, but it's actually a really big deal. Um, not only that, since Smart Fabric Services is running as a pod that is isolated, I as like the network administrator who's got a very heavy hand and gets very concerned about all of the VLAN numbers in the environments of I kind of don't have to worry about that whatever's going on in there in that self-contained infrastructure I'm going to be able to trust that it just works and is doing its thing and is supporting the pod and off it goes. And I connect to it at the edge and I care about that, but I don't have to worry about the plumbing and the details. People that are trying to get apps uh, built and, and distributed out to the world can just do what they need to do. So Sorry, I guess, (laughs) I I, I had like post-traumatic stress disorder talking about VLANs with VMware people and Mm. both of us trying to get each other's environment straight, so.
1: Yeah, and 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 Ethan, um, uh, if you are sitting um, on a chair, please hold on to it. I'll (laughs) tell you about another benefit because if you're already excited about it, I have to really tell you. A number of our customers, um, think of them like community colleges or universities with different locations or clinics that have regional uh, locations. Um, they have workloads deployed at these remote sites. However, IT staff is not available at each one of those sites. So a lot of our customers, what they do is that they deploy these smaller workloads at these remote locations and then centrally manage multiple of those from a single vCenter client. Um, So that's essentially allowing them more productivity because the same IT staff sitting uh, at a central location can, can manage all of these remote locations just the same way that they're managing, you know, a workload in a data center a few steps away from their chair
0: mm. uh, the control mm. freak and network engineers that are listening to this, Greg are going, mm, I don't know what I think about all that, but that is the <laughs> secret of automation, right? Some of this stuff doesn't matter. you don't you don't want to have to care about a lot of these details and
2: usually, any discussion around BgP VPN involves the gnashing of teeth, the wailing, the crying, <laughs> the the rending of clothes, the but you know, the covering in ashes. and, arguing about BGP peering and blah, blah, blah. So the question I wanted to ask, Salim, is it really that hard? Like, it always struck me that once you got your BGP eVPN set up, it was pretty much a a spreadsheet configuration. It strikes me. And it it begins to sound a little bit like Smart Fabric Services is just done what is the obvious thing to do here for what most people want.
1: Yeah, so... Configuration, if you have to do it once, it's not that big of a problem. However, Mm -hmm. think of uh, environments that are constantly changing. That's where the issues come up. Because uh, if you're, you know, expanding and contracting your environments, virtual environments or the network environment, that's where, you know, the human induced errors, the chances of that increase significantly. All right. So, so one time, do it and leave it kind of a uh, environment, I, I don't think they will see a lot of benefit in this. However, constantly changing environments, which are, you know, frankly, if you are going with a uh, virtualized environment or a software-defined data center, you, you have to keep making changes, right? That's essentially the appeal of software-defined data centers, right? Uh, so that's where the advantages come. And uh, let me go back to one comment that uh, Ethan was making, which was, you know, our, our networking Network administrators who are listening—they may be thinking, "Oh, you know, I, I don't know if it is—if it is good or if it does what it does." You know, what if I'm, you know, uh, the solution administrator uh, mucks around with the network configuration and, and uh, you know changes something on the on on these switches? I want to give them a peace of mind here because once you enable Smart Fabric Services on on this uh, uh, on fabric, all of the configuration CLA commands are disabled, meaning. Uh, even if you give control of um, of this fabric to a virtualized you know virtualization administrator he or she is not going to be able to go into the cli and change things really the 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 fabric becomes subservient to the virtual environment and automated to the maximum extent possible
0: so the switch kind of becomes like um almost like it's in a light mode or something like that. There's wireless access points that are like that where you can't really do anything on the APs because they're all managed from the central controller.
1: Yes, yes. And we call that concept infrastructure interconnects for the lack of a better word. Uh, Let me know if you guys have a better word and we can start using it. Yeah,
2: Yeah, we can start calling it uh, switchless networking. That'll work. Switchless networking. (laughs) (laughs) That'll, That'll confuse them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess the, the other part I wanted to ask around here is in our new switchless network, uh, because they're all fabric units, right? Uh, the fabric lifestyle management, what does that look like? If I've got this fabric of switches, are you going to be doing patching for me, updates, configuration, rollbacks, that sort of stuff?
1: Yeah, so we've been focusing a lot more on the configuration aspects of it, which, as I said, you know, is part of the vCenter interface. The lifecycle management functionality, meaning firmware upgrades, patch management, etc., uh, that's also integrated into vCenter. So uh, once you have uh, a new firmware for the switches, you can actually schedule it, roll it out from vCenter, just like you are you know, uh, doing patch management for the uh, for rest of the environment.
2: Uh, one thing I should ask is, does the controller need a separate physical server or is it a VM or is there any special requirements for the actual SFS software itself?
1: SFS software, uh, the intelligence is built into the, the NAS, OS X, hmm. there is no external controller or appliance required. What we do have is a plugin in vCenter called Open Managed Network Integrations. It's a free of cost plugin that uh, you can uh, download and uh, register in your vCenter um, uh, server. And hmm. uh, after that, you know, basically it creates a connect connectivity or connectivity channel between the switches uh, or our network operating system and vCenter. That's That's all which is required but there is no external controller per se.
2: So there's no, it's just literally an agent on some of the switches that cooperates? Like, do I enable the agent on all of them and then it just mystically works?
1: Yes, you enable smart fabric services by issuing a single um, command on these switches, smart fabric services Mm -hmm. enable. Uh, One thing that you do have to do uh, is uh, define the roles of the switches, whether it's a spine switch or a leaf switch. Uh, once you define the roles at at that point, you can sen- you know, essentially start plugging in the devices, and the rest of the configuration will have to happen automatically. But you do have to define the roles uh, so that uh, the switches know, you know, how to push the configuration.
0: So if I define the roles, what what about my cabling? Do I is it up to me to do some sane cabling? Is uh, SFS going to push back if I don't cable it in a particular way?
1: Switch to switch connectivity within the fabric. It is dynamic. You can also. From from uplink perspective, you have the flexibility to choose which uplinks that you want. So, you know, if you're doing it from Spine or only if you go to the user interface and start, you know, picking or selecting the interfaces that you want for the uplinks. Uh, But beyond that, uh, it's fairly dynamic within the fabric itself. For example, for the connected or uh, dynamically discovered devices such as VxRail or or PowerStore, for example, you don't even need to pick a specific port to connect the device. You can pick any port on the Fabric and we'll automatically mm. push the configuration there.
0: And it's layer three at the base. That's the underlay. So this is going to be a loop-free topology. I'm not worried about, about creating loops.
1: Yes, yes. There is no uh, uh, layer to write. It's all layer three uh, on the on the underlay.
0: Right. Salim, one thing I want to go back to, we mentioned it in passing early on, but I don't think we really got into it. And that is RESTful APIs. So Smart Fabric Services is its own thing. I interact with it through vCenter, um, but there's RESTful APIs that are there. So first of all, why RESTful APIs? And then as an end user, a customer of Smart Fabric Services, is there something that I would do with the RESTful APIs that might be interesting to me?
1: It's a very good question, uh, Ethan. So if you look at various network Tools. What we are seeing is Open Config, GNMI, et etc. Those are emerging uh, as uh, protocols of choice. But we chose RESTful APIs purposefully because if you look at the ultimate user of the solution, it is the infrastructure administrators, cloud administrators, server administrators. Those kind of administrators, the tools that they're using generally support Redfish RESTful APIs. So for us to provide northbound interfaces where we can easily integrate into those tools makes the most sense for uh, for the user user experience of Smart Fabric Services. The second part of your question was, you know, can customers do something with it? We we do have uh, a document where we provide, you know, the supported RESTful API commands. And without naming names, I, I can tell you that there are a few customers who are um, working with us to integrate smart fabric services into their own proprietary proprietary tools. Think of very large uh, customers who have, you know, resources to be able to create uh, custom solutions, right? So, they are working with us. They like the automation and simplicity piece of it, but they want to maintain uh, a, a unified user experience, right? So, we are we, working with them to provide this capability to them.
0: Well, I think you said the key word there, a very large customer. So I'm imagining you know, service providers uh, potentially where they've got their own customized and highly integrated set of systems that all come under some umbrella and they've got to, with whatever they're doing, whatever their workflows are, they're using that centralized system and then calling out to all the subsystems across the environment. And so they need those APIs to be able to do that and and pull that off. So that, that makes good sense. But it seems like most people... Um, I don't want to say the average consumer, but but someone who's not in, not in that situation, they're going to interact with the UI that's provided, you know, through VCenter. That's really the intent of it. And uh, maybe I could pull some stats out of the APIs or some such. But generally speaking, um, the SFS interface is what I'm going to be interacting with most of the time. Does That sound about right to you?
1: Yes, absolutely. That does um, sound about right. And you know, one one more time, VCenter is our primary user interface. Uh, through the plugin called Open Managed Network Interface. For the network administrators out there, if you are uh, thinking, you know what, it excludes me, I don't have a vCenter environment, I have some other environment, then we do have another option for you. You can deploy Open Managed Network uh, Interface Omni uh, as an OVA in a standalone environment as well. Um, So if you have any kind of a virtual platform available where you can deploy OVA, you can have Omni and start managing the interface, uh, managing the, the, the fabric, uh, through that interface as well.
0: Well, Salim Muhammad, this has been an outstanding conversation. We've had a lot of fun with you. Um, some of which, listener, you it's been edited out. You don't even know what happened behind the scenes. You don't <laughs> even know. He's been a great yeah. sport uh, all around. Now, Salim, I, I don't know, are you a, a social kind of person where you're on Twitter or LinkedIn or something? You care to share that with anybody?
1: Uh, yes, I am on Twitter and LinkedIn and can uh, definitely share the, the link as well. At Salim Mohammed is, uh, is my uh, Twitter handle. i um, happy to hear from uh, my listeners, right? Uh, if they have any questions, concerns, just, uh, uh, you know, shout out to me.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you again for being on the show. And uh, folks, if you want to know more about Smart Fabric Services, Dell's got a ton of resources. Much of that is going to be in the show notes for this episode, which you will find at packetpushers.net. Look for our heavy networking episode on Dell Smart Fabric Services. Uh, A bunch of links there. I'll just give you a few other things you can look for. If you're a YouTube sort of person, Salim did a Lightboard demo, uh, three ways to automate your data center network fabric from Dell. Uh, Very well done. There's also a webinar coming up from Dell Technologies uh, August 20th at uh, 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern time in the U.S. There's a webinar you can register for that's over on sdxcentral.com. We'll have a link for you there if you want to dig into SFS in more detail. And find out more about that and a bunch of other links to different resources about smart fabric services will be available to you again at the link at packetpushers.net, the blog post for the show. We thank Dell Technologies for sponsoring the Packet Pushers Heavy Networking today. Without our sponsors, we can't do what we do. And that that is that is true. We, uh, we really can't without our sponsors. So much appreciated. And thanks to you for listening. If you're interested in Smart Fabric and you reach out to Dell, hey, let them know that you heard about it on the Packet Pushers Podcast Network. Lots more information from the networking and cloud communities at packetpushers.net. Professional career development that keeps you on top of your game one podcast at a time. But we are more than podcasts. Blogs, a newsletter, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Slack, too. Visit our subscribe page to find all the ways you can cram fine Packet Pushers content into your ears and eyes, and, and all that cramming is more pleasant than it sounds. Last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.